Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Trey Colbeck and Adam Stewart. Welcome one and all to our Week 1 2022 CFL Recap. Uh, we've got actual football to talk about here on the Canadian Football Countdown for once. It's so exciting. The games are underway, and it was an exciting first week of the season. We had a couple close games and a blowout to end off the week. We'll go through it all here tonight. We'll talk uh, about the main storylines from each game, give our updated power rankings, because we know everybody loves those, and uh, our players of the week here as well. Before I bring in the rest of the panel, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Zodo, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Uh, check out facebook.com slash gametimetvmb for more info on our presenting sponsor. Now let's bring in the other members of the panel. First, we've got the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic, guys. And like you said, really excited to actually talk football. No more CBA talk, and it's only live games from now on. Yes, very exciting to talk actual football here. Here to do so with us as well is the great Adam Stewart. Adam, how are you tonight? I'm not sure if I'm as good as the guys out in BC after watching that game against Edmonton. But, hey, I'll try to be. I mean, it was a, it was a great week of CFL football. I'm glad we get to talk about it here and now. So. Yeah, let's dive right into it. We got a lot to talk about from week number one. Uh, week started off Thursday night with the Montreal Alouettes going into Calgary to face the Stampeders. Calgary takes a 30-27 to win here over Montreal in this game. Uh, let's go through the major storylines we saw from this one. Obviously, I think one of the main ones to talk about is the tragic injury to one William Stanback, uh, one of the top running backs in the CFL, uh, one of the most explosive players in the game, goes down, I want to say early second quarter with a, a real nasty injury near the goal line and clearly a leg injury, looks like a knee. He's on the sixth game now. I know that that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's done for the year. Uh you know, Alouettes fans, uh, not too happy week one. Uh, that definitely does a detriment to your team there. But Jeshron Antwi comes in and the very next play runs for 70 flipping yards down the field. And one of the most impressive runs I've seen in a long time. Uh, seemed like there was a little bit of extra oomph on it. Um, what do you guys make of uh, this, uh, this start to the year here for Montreal, the, the devastating injury and uh, where they go from here and how they manage to, you know, still pull it out for a close game here? Uh, let's start with you, Adam. You know, I really feel terrible for Montreal fans right away. I mean, uh, it's William Stadenbach injury, of course, fractured ankle, ankle uh, had to undergo surgery today on it. Uh, haven't heard any results, but uh, we definitely all hope that William Stadenbach will be a big part of the uh, Montreal Alouettes end of season run when they are pushing for first place, please, because I still have that predicted. Uh, they played a good game against the uh, Stampeders. Vernon Adams got off uh, fairly well, had some good yardage. Uh, actually, their backup uh, running back, uh, Jeshwan uh, Adtween, 
uh, Antwi, I hope I say that right, uh, also had a very good game, actually. Uh, if you take a look at him, he had seven carries for 98 yards, 14 yards of carry average. I mean, he had a good stat line overall, even though William Standback is missing. Uh, the receiving core had a good run, 112 yards for Eugene Lewis. Uh, it just overall a good day for the Montreal Alouettes. However, Calgary came back, and the fact is they were a kick short. Trey, how about you? What do you think of the game? No, I liked it too. And like we're all saying, we hope Standback comes back, but next man up. And just, yeah, Joshon Antwi goes for that 70 yard run and, you know, picked up just shy of 100 on the day. And, you know, that's not too bad for being a, only playing like a half. Um, and I, I really liked what um, I really liked. I, I, I'm, I'm high on Montreal's offense. You know, I, Vernon Adams Jr., like I've talked about, is kind of one of my top quarterbacks in this league. And we all saw his athleticism and, I think he just needs to work on his arm a little bit, but he's got the receiving core. He's definitely got the team around him. And looking at that other side of the ball, we all talked what Bo Levi we were going to get. And, you know, he also left uh, with a little, he seemed to be fine. I heard today with that practice, but you know, he did live with an ankle injury, didn't hit 200 yards passing. I feel like they, I don't want to say like if Montreal had won, I think Montreal, I wouldn't give Montreal the win. I'd give Calgary the loss, but you know, kickers are matter and uh, Calgary got the win late. Yeah. Montreal, uh, you know, they, like you said, uh, rally good at wide receiver, Jake Winicky, a little quiet in this game, which was surprising only 37 yards receiving for him, but uh, traditional Eugene Lewis there. And uh, on the other side of the ball, yeah. Bo Levi Mitchell, uh, Started the game really well. I think early in this game, first drive, he marched all the way down the field, and we're thinking Bo's back, Bo's ready to go. And then as the game goes along, we see things struggling a little bit more, the offense slowing up a little bit. He does end up leaving the game late. Jake Mayer comes in at quarterback, goes four for five, 57 yards, uh, and, you know, they pull out the win. Probably He's probably thinking at this point, you know, I'm going to be the top backup leading a late game winning drive of the week. Well, that didn't last too many more games after that. But uh, the guy who really, I, I thought, really shined in this game for Calgary is a guy who's so underrated and has been, uh, you know, looked at as third, fourth man up on the depth chart for the last four or five years, and that's Richie Sandani at wide receiver. Everybody talks about Reggie Bagleton. Everybody talks about Kamar Jordan. Sandani comes in seven catches, nine targets, 101 yards, leading receiver for the Stampeders in the game. Uh, you love to see it, and that's something Calgary's always been good at, is finding the, the so like we talked about with Montreal's running backs, next man up, so to say, at receiver. You know, no Marquis Thambles, no Josh Huff this year. Uh, could this be more of a role for Richie Sandani? I, I liked what I saw from him there. What did you guys think? I really liked him. Uh, looked really well in this game. I mean, uh, had some big runs, uh, had some good uh, yards after catch is a big thing with uh, Richard Sandani. And, uh, no, had a really good game. And, uh, yeah, just uh, simply had a very, like I said before, had a good game. Uh, probably a guy you might want to consider more in fantasy. He wasn't a bad option uh, going ahead here. So, I know I myself, I didn't much think of him. But, hey, there's one for you. So, Trey, what did you think of the uh, of Sidani? Yeah, I like him. He averaged 14.4 yards a catch. So picking up a first down every time he gets the ball, you can't be mad with that. And the longest was uh, 20 yards. So yeah, big plays. 
kept the ball moving. And on a team that Calgary usually spreads out the ball, it looked like Bo Levi had a, well, they still pretty spread out the ball. It just, he seemed to be catching most of the ones coming, coming his way. So it's good to see. And, you know, he could have been the difference maker in this one. Yeah, for sure. Kadeem Carey, also a big game for him. Two, two touchdowns on the ground, got result, uh, involved in the receiving game. One of the top uh, running backs of the week. Uh, in terms of fantasy plays in this game, who got you the most value? was Jeshron Antwi at 5.76 points per thousand dollars. If anybody picked Jeshron Antwi in CFL Fantasy, please send us a note. I would like to know who you are, what your psychic abilities, uh, full capacity is, and uh, are you free to help me with this week's fantasy team? Because that's that you, you can't predict that coming in. Uh, Richie Sindani was uh, the next highest. Malik Henry for Calgary, another receiver who had a touchdown early in this game. Uh, big week for him. Reggie White Jr., an underrated value play for the Alouettes. Kadeem Carey, Sean Bain. So a couple Calgary receivers that you don't necessarily expect having themselves good weeks. On the other end of things, uh, you know, worst value plays in fantasy for the week. Reggie Bagleton was, had the lowest uh, for his price. Uh, Jake Winicky, Kamara Jordan, Bo Levi Mitchell, William Stanback, and Vernon Adams Jr. Now these are the stars on each of these teams, right? Uh, which one of these guys surprises you the most uh, that, uh, you know, had an off day here in, in week one, uh, Trey? I guess I'd go with Reggie Bagleton, you know, kind of the guy, kind of the number one receiver there, or Kamar Jordan, kind of put them together. Like you would think that those would be the two guys Bo would be leaning on in a close game, but instead he seemed to lean on a guy that no one really saw coming. So yeah, I'd say the the receiving core other than Richard uh, Sedani is kind of the biggest shock for me. What about you, Adam? You know, actually, I'm going to go with Bo Levi Mitchell. He had a good game overall, and it looked like he was having a good game. But when you see the stat line, I mean, 199 yards passing for Bo Levi Mitchell, kind of really uh, kind of surprising on that part. And 21 to 34, I mean, accuracy is not the worst at 61%, but still, I don't know if those are quite Bo Levi numbers. And I don't want to say that Bo Levi is not going to be successful or anything like that. I just want to say that, you know, not quite Bo Levi numbers that uh, that uh, you actually are expecting, even though it looked like he was having an okay game. Yeah, so this leads to, I know people are already asking the questions at the end of this game, right? As well, if Bo's in a walking boot and Jake Mayer is coming in and playing well, uh, are we going to see Jake Mayer coming into week two? Or is it time to turn the ball over to Jake Mayer? We're going to hear that game in and game out throughout the season. Like the noise is not going to stop. Um, but assuming he's healthy and ready to go, you start Bo Levi Mitchell in week number two, right? Oh, yeah. You got to start Bo Levi. I mean, he's a veteran. He's the leader in that locker room still. I You got to start Bo, I would think. I mean, let's face it, you do have the option, though, I guess. I mean, Jake Mahard definitely is four of five on the one drive, really, that he had to be in there for and looked really good. But uh, let's face it, when you got a veteran like Bo, you go with Bo. Right, Drake? Yeah, I think the question more is how long of a leash does he have after the game starts? Like, I think he'll be number one on the depth chart. I think he'll get the opportunity in the first quarter. But, you know, if a game in a couple of weeks, you know, when he starts seeing a little tougher teams in Montreal, like, you know, how long how long is that leash? But I definitely think he'll be your starter and until unless he's, you know, on the IR. So, yeah, I, I would say so as well. Uh, and on the other side of things, you know, Montreal coming into next week, I think the question is, 
Can they find a little bit more balance? 24 points in the first half, three points down the stretch. Like they had the lead going into the half in this game. They were in full control, but they let it slip up there near the end. So we'll see where that leads for Montreal. Uh, taking a look at the bets on this game from last week. Uh, how did we end up in the in the betting category on this one, Trey? This one, you guys both took Calgary to beat the spread. I took Montreal to cover. Montreal did cover three and a half. They only lost by three. Uh, yeah, so you guys started off the weekend 0-1. I started 1-0, but yeah, we did actually. We'll talk about it later, but we all did pretty well over the weekend. So, you know, pretty happy with that. That pesky point spread, that 0.5 point difference. Come on. That half a point, man. It gets you every time. Every time, yeah. If the ball goes like half out of bounds on a single, is that half a point? <laughs> I've never <laughs> heard of this word. Is anybody else? Uh, it's Yeah, I've never heard of that one. <laughs> Constantly reinventing the game, increasing offense by giving half points for ridiculous things. Uh, let's move on to our second game of the week here. Uh, it was the uh, defending Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting the Ottawa Red Blacks. Paul Apolis uh, returning to Winnipeg for the first time since 2019. Ottawa and Winnipeg did not play each other last year. This was a great football game. I, I thought this was a really good game here. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, between these two sides. Uh, let's start with you here, Adam. Uh, what was the overall storyline in this one for you? I think the overall storyline for me would have already been, been uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli. I mean, the guy came in. He was probably not expected to really do much against a really stout Winnipeg Blue Bomber defense and uh, ended up having a very, very good game. Almost 70% or maybe even more, uh, just got to take a look here, but 70.6% completion percentage, 380 yards and a touchdown against the defending Great Cup champions. Just had a very good game and definitely showed for it. Plus also the other one that I'd like to bring up is Jalen Acklin. Had a massive game for the Ottawa Red Blacks, 143 yards and really just looked decent, the whole, like really good the whole game. Uh and Winnipeg, I mean, let's face it, I think it was also a little bit of Winnipeg. I don't know if they're just maybe great cup, uh, the hangover is starting to happen finally in Winnipeg, or if they were just maybe a little nervous because that banner is in the ring that are in the, in the arena that night. Either way, what did you think of it, Trey? Yeah, I'm going to talk the other side of the ball. You say Jalen Acklin. I'm going to say Winston Rose blew that defense. Like, he got burned three, four times, and that's not something us, like us in Winnipeg are used to. I don't know if I want to say it was a Grey Cup hangover. Winnipeg's that team. That's why I was really nervous about that um, that point spread, nine and a half, because they're not a team that's going to win big. They they manage the game, and they end up – they put themselves in the position a lot that wins by that field goal or a touchdown. So I'm not too – I'm not hitting the warning, uh, warning labels yet, but oh, Winston Rose, a guy who has been, you know, one of those names on that defense the last few years. Did he not – was this, did he not leave to Cincinnati or am I getting that mixed up? No, that's uh, correct. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he had an NFL shot, you know, comes back late last year. That's not those kind of things that he usually does. So I don't know if he got, because you would think after the NFL stint, you would be more sharp, not less sharp. But yeah, he did not look himself. Uh, he was getting beat by like 20 yards sometimes, Ryan, right? Like it was unreal. What do you think? 
Yeah, it was definitely noticeable. And I think, you know, I have to wonder because he has been injured. He wasn't a walking boot in practice for the past couple of weeks. I was actually surprised to see him in the lineup. And I'm not surprised at all that Paul Apolis said, let's just target that direction over and over again. Uh, we saw Winston Rose get beat deep uh, during the preseason, I think, in at least one or two games there as well. So, uh, you know, I don't think he's 100% healthy. I'll chalk some of the, you know, bad play up to that maybe a little bit here. But uh, you got to give credit to Ottawa for that one for, uh, you know, going to the well over and over again because it was working. You know, my overall storyline on this game was, yes, Winnipeg pulls out the win and, you know, championship teams tend to find a way to win games. And I would definitely say this was one of them. I'm sure we'll in a second talk about the wild ending to this one. Um, but overall, Ottawa played the better game by far and away. You know, I was there, Trey was there. We saw it firsthand live. Uh, that, uh, you know, over and over, Ottawa seemed to be dominating most of the play in this game, but just a couple of small mistakes, and maybe that's still a team, you know, trying to, that has a bunch of flashy new pieces that's still trying to build its chemistry and things like that. Uh, although you would think Jeremiah Mazzoli and Jalen Acklin would already have that chemistry, because uh, wide open Acklin in the first quarter, I think it was, should have taken it for a touchdown, drops the ball there. Uh, a couple other drops, I'm thinking of a dropped interception that would have been a pick six for Ottawa. Uh, like this game was more Ottawa losing than Winnipeg winning, so to say, I would think. Uh, Adam, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, I can agree with that. But, you know, I was watching one other neat little thing that uh, just kind of interests me. Winnipeg only had 50 yards rushing the whole game. That's the quarterback two running backs and uh, i think that's also a couple flies it was just it was not a running game for the winnipeg blue bombers for this one now we're used to seeing the bombers get 100 plus yards a game and usually always have that favorable field position this time here zach caleros had to start uh being a little more creative as we would say uh had to make those longer passes or had to start running for it like we've seen at the end of the game and uh yeah that was a little scary to see what happened to Zach Caleros at the end of the game. Uh, fortunately, I don't think he's hurt or anything. I think everything's all good. But, uh, yeah, Trey, you want to talk a little bit more about that uh, last play for uh, for Zach? What an idiot. Why is he jumping head first? He had the first down. If he did the – coming from a baseball player, I, I know how to slide in the second. You slide feet first. I don't know who the Ottawa player was, but if he comes down, then that's a 15 yard. Like it was the dumb play on Calero's part. And honestly, when I heard it, when he got yanked, I'm like, it's the right call. He should have never even gotten up off the field. I know why he did. You know, I, you know, I get that. I'm surprised the injury spotter took the time he did to get him off the field. It was the right call. Stupid play. I, I, I couldn't, again, as a baseball player and a football player, I'm watching that. I'm like, why are you doing head first? I, it's, it's one thing if that was Grey Cup, you know, or playoffs late year. Why are you doing that, uh, Ryan? You know, you were there too. What did you see on that one? Well, you know, next to doing the wave, especially when your team is on offense, my least favorite thing about a live sporting experience is the incessant booing of every call or decision that doesn't go your way, even when it's legitimate. And, and that's what this was to me. I, you know, people, 
were obviously very upset that their starting quarterback had to come out of the game for three plays when I think the Bombers were down at this point, right? Uh, yeah, because they had the comeback winning field goal. Uh, and people were pretty upset about that. And I understand why, but at the same time, like, Koros gets up off the field, goes, walks away from the rest of his team and is standing there like staring at the ground, clearly like not sensical in this moment. And uh, yeah, should be coming off the field. And I think it was cool. I don't remember another time I've seen the command center all of a sudden uh, call, you know, take a player out, the injury spotter. That was great to see. Uh, I think it was a clean play because he he dove head first. He should have slid that one's on Caleros to me. Um, sucked to see it, but then the legend himself, Drew Brown, comes in. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about during throughout the preseason, who's getting the backup job? Is it Drew Brown? Is it Dakota Prukop? Prukop played a role in this game, too, with the short yardage plays a little bit, but Brown gets the backup job, comes in here, barely any CFL experience, goes a perfect 3-for-3, three three, 51 yards on the final drive, Mark Leggio hits the game-winning field goal. Uh, what an ending here. Clearly, we have a QB controversy in Winnipeg coming into week two. I think this is Drew Brown's team we need to run with. Uh, I left my sarcasm sign around here somewhere. I don't know where. Uh, that is sarcasm, uh, most definitely. But a wild ending here. Uh, Adam, what do you think of that ending? Yeah, it was crazy. I uh, I really enjoyed that ending of the game quite a bit. And... Uh... I didn't, I didn't really care for the Zach uh, Caleros uh, dive head first. I mean, it was a great imitation of his offensive coordinator, Buck Pierce. I don't want to see what happens to him afterwards as well, because that was scary. Uh, but no, Drew Brown came in. He showed that he can manage an offense, at least for a couple drives, and uh, can keep that uh, keep the field moving. And that's all you can ask out of your backup quarterback. Um, he's the reason he's the most popular player on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He proved it again. And uh, yeah, no. Just like everybody, the backup quarterback is always your most favorite player. So, but uh, that being said, Trey, uh, what else did you see out of the uh, Bomber Ottawa game? I just want to bring up because we're talking about hits to the head. The other one, there was one on Dalton Schoen. And I want someone made a point. It was, um, oh, I forget his name, the Bomber podcast guy. Uh, our good buddy Zach. Yeah, him. He made up. He asked a question on Twitter. Is that play not reviewable? Because I think Dalton Schoen got hit more in the head earlier on that fumble than Caleros did. And I don't know the rule, but because the ball became ripped out, does that make him no longer the ball carrier? Is that where it? Because the ball carrier you would think would be reviewable, right? But was because I was really because I don't know about that one either. I think it was a clean play too, but I call it more more dirty than the Caleros one. So that was my kind of question there what you guys thought on that one. Was it because the ball got ripped out half a second sooner? Or yeah, I also don't know what the... Yeah, I don't know what the official ruling is there yeah. either. It wouldn't surprise me if there's such a nitpicky thing in the CFL rule book about this of, oh, he wasn't the ball carrier, uh, right? So that that seems like a logical explanation to me okay. on that one. That only, other, than that, other than that, I thought this game was, you know, great first Friday night game. Um, you know, Winnipeg, like I said, they're never going to win by big usually that's not been their motive over the last few years they they win these tight ones late even if they do some turnovers even if their defense gets burned they find a way to win but i ottawa's scary ottawa i think is very scary if uh if uh mazzoli you know like we said earlier mazzoli evans who like who should have hamilton taken who should have ottawa taken you know kind of thing 
it, on this after week one, it's very, they're both zero and one, but you know, it's still uh, it's going to be a good season to see what happens there. Yeah, I tweeted this during I tweeted this during the game. Uh, night and day difference between the Red Blacks' offense in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. Granted, it's one game so far, and you know I think we did have some concerns maybe about Winnipeg's secondary uh, coming into this season with some of the injuries there. But Mazzoli looked comfortable. He had plenty of time going up against the defense that I know is missing Jackson Jeffcoat, but you still got Willie Jefferson there on the defensive line. You got Adam Bakehill coming through the middle. Uh, as well. I thought Mazzoli had a lot of time. He moved well with his legs, which is really something he's good at. And I think the Paul Apple system is ideal for the type of quarterback that Jeremiah Mazzoli is. And I think he found a good mix of receivers. We talked about Jalen Acklin, Darvin Adams, former bomber, big game for him this week as well. And, you know, Shaq Johnson's a guy who I think went very underrated in BC for many years and uh, pitched in nicely in this game for Ottawa here as well. He had uh, 43 yards and a touchdown there. So I I was high on what Ottawa did, both on offense and on defense. I mean, shutting down Brady Oliveira to, uh, you know, 10 carries for 17 yards, a 1.7 yard average. uh, That that is a pretty good start here for Ottawa. Um, And now these two teams play each other again next week which is very interesting. And uh, we'll get into that on our Wednesday preview show. But early in the week, I'm telling you, I'm taking the split on this because I am high on what Ottawa did in this game. Uh, despite coming out with the loss, you fix those couple mistakes up. This is going to be a much better season for the Red Blacks than it was last year. Adam? Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are the defending Grey Cup champions, yet, you know, Ottawa being the team that was so poor last year really looked good against them and, uh, props to Paul Apolise. He played a good game against a very tough Winnipeg Blue Bomber football team. Uh, He had the guys prepared. He was ready to go. And uh, I think we'll get to preparedness a little later on here. Uh, But yeah, no, I I thought that uh, Ottawa had a good game plan and uh, can't wait to see what happens this next week here against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for round two. Looking at the uh, the fantasy plays of the week, uh, Dalton Schoen was the top value play in this game. I believe you had him in your lineup, Trey, for the week, correct? Yep. Uh, almost five points for every $1,000 you spent on him. Shaq Johnson, uh, around four points per thousand. Jalen Acklin, Darvin Adams. Dakota Prukop hit the full value play. I mentioned it on the preview show last week. You should take Dakota Prukop. I'm glad I didn't and went with Nathan Rourke instead. Um, but uh, you would have gotten at least full value out of him. Uh, guy who didn't crack the list here, Greg Ellingson, I thought had a great game for the Bombers, his debut there. Zach Claros and him clearly had a connection. Hot take after week one of the season. I think Ellingson finishes with more receiving yards than Kenny Lawler of the Edmonton Elks in 2022. I think... We're going to see him be the go-to guy for Coleros all season long. Uh, top five fantasy letdowns in this game. All Drew Wallatarski uh, did not get a catch in this one. Johnny Augustine, uh, nothing going on the uh, on the offense there for him. Nick Dembski, Rashid Bailey, and Zach Coleros all with disappointing uh, fantasy days for their price totals. So Bombers squeak out the win in this one, uh, but... Uh, you know, it was a, it was a hard fought, low scoring win here. How do we do on the betting lines in this one, Trey? Yeah. So we all three of us took Ottawa plus nine and a half. 
If anyone took my advice and bet the life savings on Ottawa, you were so close to having a good payday. Uh, but no, they couldn't tweak that one out. But we uh, we beat the or we covered there. Uh, so at this point, I'm two and zero, and you guys are one and one after Friday. Yeah, pretty pretty good pretty good start, guys. Not gonna lie, one and one's not bad for first week. So yeah. All right, let's move on to our third game of the week. Uh, While Trey and I were at the second one, Adam, I believe you were at the third one here. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders hosting the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, 30-13 win for the hometown team. Uh, Adam, take us away. What was the storyline here for you in this game? Well, I think the big storyline was uh, both uh, 12 guys on the – one side of the field for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, essentially. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense was absolutely dominant and just started right from play one with a almost interception from uh, rookie uh, Nelson Lacombo. Uh, from the second play of the series being a forced fumble by Pete Robertson and a recovery by the Riders. I mean, every this game here, I think the way I tweeted it out was the offense is offensive and the defense is defensive because that's literally what this game was. The Hamilton Tiger Cats just looked helpless out there against that uh, front line of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense. The secondary was very good, except for Nick Dembski or Nick uh, uh, Nick Marshall's one play that he always keeps missing, uh, which was he ended up being a 75-yard touchdown for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Always has one. Uh, Anyways, other than that, though, Cody Fajardo had a reasonable game. I mean, one interception, one uh, touchdown. Uh, the Overall, the Riders had a uh, little bit of offensive life in the fourth quarter, and that namely was the story of it. But uh, everything was set up by defense, essentially. Shaq Evans had a very good game as well. Uh, and then, yeah, no, other than that, it was, uh, it was just overall a pretty good game for, uh, for the Rough Riders, if you're a green and white fan. And yes, I think later on, Monty, don't worry. I'll get to that dirtiest hit of the week that no one's talking about. Trey, what was your thoughts of the game? No, I liked it too. And I liked Fajardo's play. You know, that defense definitely kept them in it. But, you know, three over 300 yards and a touchdown and one on the ground. You know, I, I like Cody Fajardo and he's got to, you know, lead this team if they want to, you know, beat Winnipeg and Calgary and now BC when it comes to October, November, right? So he's the guy. and. Um, yeah, like uh, maybe you will comment more on that hit later. I did not see it live, so I'm not going to put too much onto it. And we all know uh, the guy who we're talking about. We don't, you know, he's known for these kind of things. I believe he took out Bombers Court, or, you know, when, at the one time. And so, you know, that that's one thing there. But I don't, I thought, again, it was good. They kind of spread the ball out decent again. And uh, I made a joke about Keenan LaFrance and he made a, he got a couple plays on there. I asked what his role would be. And it seems like one catch and one carry is kind of his role on the team. So happy to see that. And uh, the kicker, Brett Lothler, five for five, you know, you can never uh, be upset when your kicker gets like half your points. Right. So I think it was a pretty good game for the green and white Ryan. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get a chance to see this full game. I was watching the highlights earlier today. You know, I had seen the score. I had seen the box scores previously and I saw this game and I thought, Oh man, this was a blowout. This wasn't close. You know, I was tracking it throughout. I think the Riders defense had what eight sacks in this game, three, four turnovers in it. Uh, Dane Evans struggled quite a bit at quarterback here. Uh, I thought this one was a blowout. Then I watched the highlights earlier today 
and I realize, oh no, this game was close right till the end. I think it was about three minutes left where it was still 15-13 or something like that uh, for the Riders. And then they pull out two quick touchdowns there uh, to end off the game uh, for, uh, you know, to put it away here, which uh, was certainly an impressive finish there. But now, you know, seeing all the tweets throughout the day gives me a little bit of context of, why everybody, uh, why the sky was falling over the offense, so to say, in Saskatchewan. It was like, they put up 30 points and had a blowout victory. Cody Fajardo throws for 300 yards, uh, rushes for 42 more. What's the problem here? Everything seems, you know, perfect. Uh, yeah, you know, once you start watching those highlights, sometimes box score doesn't tell the whole story, and you start seeing, yeah, this was a scrappy game. Defense, full credit to the Riders' defense. I... We talked many times about so far how we thought maybe Hamilton could light up their secondary a little bit, but they shut things down very well uh, outside of that one long touchdown to Stephen Dunbar Jr., but they shut things down. The the defensive line was really good, and, you know, the offense made the plays when they needed to at the end of the game to get the job done. So, yeah, an impressive week one win over a Grey Cup finalist from the Riders in week number one. Adam, what do you think of the Hamilton side of these this things? Because, again, a team that uh, went to the Grey Cup last year has a decent amount of the roster intact. Not a good-looking week one here for them, hey? Not at all. And, I mean, the offensive line did not look like it had a very good uh, way of covering that Saskatchewan defensive line. I think that was the biggest part of it. Uh, Dane Evans was running for his life all the time. I mean, when you have eight sacks against you, you're having a bad game. There is very few times that you're going to say that you get eight sacks against you and win a game. Uh, uh, their offense, uh, Stephen Dunbar had the big uh, play, 75 yards and a touchdown. That was one play, essentially, at 71 yards on that one carry. Uh, Braylon Addison was very quiet. He had eight for 12 for 72. It seemed like he had an okay game, but really he was not seen out there very often. It wasn't big plays all the time. Uh, Don Jackson had uh, two for two for 19. And uh, had a little bit of rushing, but not very much. Uh, five carries for one yard. I mean, when you're when you're de- when your uh, running game is just not doing anything for you. Tim White was your uh, leading rusher uh, with 11 yards. I mean, that's not really going to be performance on any of this right at the moment. Uh, however, that being said, uh, just like Hussey just said, uh, yeah. Hamilton always, always plays bad in Saskatchewan. I don't know what it is. It's always showering when they come. It's always a tough game when they come to Saskatchewan, whether it's us yelling at their quarterback during a Grey Cup uh, or it's just them not having very much luck against the Saskatchewan defense. When Saskatchewan no goes to Hamilton, it's the same thing. It's it's something weird about it that Hamilton just does not have good luck in uh, in Regina. Trey, uh, what did you think of Hamilton? Well, do many teams have good luck in Regina? So, you know, <laughs> being a Bomber fan where we're like 0-40 there, it seems like. But, yeah, I like that. I mean, they got to do better on offense. I think their defense, like, kind of kept a minute. And Dane Evans needs to do better. Like, we are like we just talked about the last game. They gave, uh, Hamilton gave up Mazzoli to take this guy. And, you know, he didn't quite have the same amount of yards. And he had a couple picks. I think if maybe he... Like you said, he seemed to be on the run. Is that maybe all they need to do is get their old line a little better, give them more time, and maybe the game would have been 30-30. Who knows, right, if they if he was able to stay in the pocket better. But, yeah, I really – I thought, you know, 
I agree with Hussey's huddle too. Like everyone plays bad in Saskatchewan. It's not. It's just the worst place to play. Even if they only like, even if it's not a sellout, it's an awful place to play. It's an awful place to be the away team. So it's it's an away fan. So I think uh, next time if they play Hamilton later, I think uh, I mean if Hamilton goes or Saskatchewan goes to Hamilton, I definitely think Hamilton can win that game. And uh, I don't think the sky is falling in Hamilton. I just think they need to uh, make sure they are giving Dane Evans uh, more time back there, Ryan. Uh, one more thing I wanted to just quickly bring up, uh, you know, uh, you say it's always tough to bring, uh, be the team that goes into Saskatchewan. I don't know who the guy is that does the music for the Rough Riders, but congratulations, you've done the best thing for the team intros. On the away team, they're playing Kurt Angle's theme. Uh, if you know wrestling, you'll know what I mean. And the whole crowd chanting, you suck. As they come in, it's it's great. So whoever did that, thumbs up. That That was great. You gotta love things like that. They uh, they enhance the experience a little bit. Yeah, I gotta say the few times I've been to Saskatchewan, they're the, being at a game is is better. And I don't know what it is. I find in Winnipeg when our, we're on defense, we cheer, but when you go to Saskatchewan, they boo, and it's a different sound completely. Like I don't know who's maybe louder, but that Saskatchewan sound hurts the ears way more than uh, cheering and the cowbells in Winnipeg does. So. I, I, yeah, like I said, I've been to a couple Labor Days. I've been to some playoff games there. It's not, it's, uh, I almost have to get the, not a bulletproof vest, but I definitely need to cover up the blue when I'm there, right? Because you'll hear about it. But yeah, sorry, Ryan. Yeah, uh, I, I think who's louder depends on who you ask. Uh, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, Hamilton, for me in this game, the biggest letdown again, you know, not seeing the actual footage too much of the game is, just looking at the stat line here, it doesn't seem like a well-balanced game plan at all. You know, I, I was actually kind of shocked. I believe Don Jackson was the only starting quarterback who we did not pick in our fantasy draft because we each picked two uh, running backs uh, there. Did I just, I might have just said quarterback. I meant running back. Um, you know, Don Jackson had a fantastic four or five weeks to end the season last year. was expecting big things from him. Sean Thomas Erlington shows up as number one on the depth chart for this week. I see we're starting depth chart shenanigans in week one, just like last year. Hamilton did it so often, they do it again. Uh, starting running back, but gets zero carries. Hmm. Uh, backup running back, Don Jackson gets five carries for one yard. Like you said, Tim White leading rusher with two carries for 11. Like, all in all in this game, there were six, eight, nine, 11 carries uh with three of them being receivers three of them being quarterbacks and five being from your running backs that's not a balanced offensive game plan you talk about maybe dane evans having a bit of a struggle here it's because the uh, the riders defense knew they were throwing the ball on almost any down and i uh, you know i don't know if maybe they went to don jackson uh, a couple times early in the game and it wasn't working they just decided well, let's abandon it or if it wasn't you know balanced to begin with that was very disappointing for me to see because I was high on him coming into this year. He was actually one of my higher ranked running back options between the two I behind the two I picked in our preseason fantasy draft. I uh, definitely need to see more there from the offense for for Don Jackson and the run game for the riot, uh, for the Ty Cats. And I think that will open things up at receiver for guys like Tim White, who I you know recommended in fantasy this week, but he was a big disappointment with just seven yards through the air there uh, looking at the value plays at fantasy in this game the riders defense putting up over uh, nearly seven points for every thousand dollars he spent on them they were by far the top defensive play of the week 
Poppy White uh, had himself a good game for Hamilton, uh, over four points per thousand there. Keon Schaefer-Baker, a big game for the Riders. Uh, Jamal Morrow, a solid game. Got a little more involved in the receiving game and the return game than the running game. Still, I'd like to see more there. Stephen Dunbar Jr., that long touchdown. The big letdowns, Hamilton's defense. Uh, Don Jackson, Sean Thomas Erlington, Duke Williams, and Dane Evans. Uh, we haven't really talked about Duke Williams. We expect him to have a big role here for Saskatchewan this season. Uh, but credit to both of you on our fantasy preview last week. Uh, you know, I wasn't looking in his direction as much, but Shaq Evans, uh, not bad here uh, with a 92-yard day. Uh, a lot of targets, not a lot of completions his direction, but it uh, seemed like he was the go-to receiver here for Saskatchewan, wasn't he, Adam? Sure was. Uh, when you watch the game, for the most part, the Hamilton secretary, secondary did very well in blocking up a lot of receivers. One of them was Duke Williams. Uh, they knew Duke was going to be thrown at quite a bit this game. On one play, I quite, uh, remember, I think it was in the second quarter, uh, it was a four-man cover on Duke Williams. They, they knew it was going to him, uh, and they were blocking him solid. Uh, Jack Evans finally opened it up a little bit in the third quarter, and that's where the point are where the uh, most of the fantasy points would have come in for Shaq Evans. Uh, but yeah, he had a good game. I uh, showed back that he's back from injury, uh, is ready to go, and I think he's probably going to have a very good season as well as Duke Williams. He'll still get open sometime here. You can't cover everybody, and I think he's probably going to be one that'll open up as well. And uh, yeah, also, uh, Keon Schaefer Baker. Canadian had a good game, had one big play in the end zone, getting a touchdown, and uh, he was targeted a few more times. But again, that secondary of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, it was pretty good. Uh, uh, Trey, what did you think of uh, of the Riders, I guess, receiving court? Yeah, I like Schaefer Baker's attempt to hurdle guys. I guess he saw a couple Alouettes do it, so he wanted to try. I love the pure ath- athleticism. Like, People who just put their nose up to the CFL. This was definitely a weekend to watch. Like, there's no way I'm hopping over any of those guys. And they're doing it, you know, in full contact gear. But but be real here. Yeah, I liked how the ball got spread around. Like, Shaq Evans was obviously the main target. But that's like, like the key to any offense, and especially the CFL, you can't go to one guy. It's not, you know, it's not NFL with four downs. So you can just throw it three times to the same guy and, Hopefully he's got to catch it one out of the three. You actually got to move the ball around and get open and tons of space to do it. So I really like Saskatchewan. I'm actually, uh, again, more personally, I'm getting a little worried about Labor Day Banjo Bowl already because I think this game could be a good one, um, especially how bad, uh, how uh, upset Saskatchewan probably is at Winnipeg over the last few years. But I really like their offense. I'm a really high on Fajardo. Again, he's one of those guys. I put him at like the B tier, but he is so close to being the A tier. A tier. All he needs is a great cup, you know, a couple of great cups, some playoff wins in Winnipeg, something to really cement it. And I think he's got the team around him to do that. I think he does. I think though, uh, let's face it, he's trying whatever he can. Whether it's on the ground with 42 yards, I believe, rushing right now uh, this game. But uh, one thing I want to bring up is he's got to take some uh, chances. He's got to bring up some chances, or he's been taking some chances. He's been sliding properly, and I do have to bring up that hit from Simone Lawrence. There's no reason that they – and I, let's face it, I hope it's it's just a coincidence. Uh, game one two years ago, Zach Caleros goes, takes off running for Saskatchewan, and Simone Lawrence nails him. That's the end of Zach Caleros' season until he went to Winnipeg and won the Grey Cup. Uh, this year, first game of the season, 
Zach or Cody Fajardo runs down the field. Absolutely nailed by Simone Lawrence. Elbow out. I don't care. I watched this one about three times now. I really, really, really did not like that one from Simone Lawrence. He's had a reputation of making silly hits in this league on quarterbacks at wrong times. He did get the 15-yard foul on this one. But, I mean, let's face it, 15 yards is a small, uh, very, very bad consolation prize for what could be a career or a season. Uh, let's face it, it's got to stop. I will be very disappointed if I just see a fine out of the CFL on this one. I really hope they give him a game to think about what he's been doing out there. The guy is sliding. He's not going face first or head first like Zacharias did in that play in Ottawa. He was down. He was sliding. And like I say, the flag, both, both referees instantly throw yard flags. It, they know it was a bad hit. It, to my opinion, I didn't see, like I said, it's, it's a fast, it's, football's a fast game. It's hard to see what happened immediately at that one. But once you watch it again, by all means, the guy should get a game probably for that one. Guys, what do you think? Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, uh, I do. One thing I do respect about Simone Lawrence is he, he plays hard, right? Uh, I'll give him that. He plays hard. Uh, he's always out there, you know, trying to be the best on the field. And a lot of times he is one of the best defensive players in, on the field. But there's a lot of hits that are borderline and probably past the borderline uh, coming from him here as well. So, you know, I, I'm all about team safety. Uh, you know, let's let's keep the players out there so that they can keep performing. Like, you know, hits like, yeah, William Stanback, uh, you know, big injury there for him. Uh, I didn't necessarily think that one was too dirty of a play there. Sometimes freak accidents happen in, in football and you get long-term injuries uh, due to that as well. But I never want to see a long-term injury for a guy as a result of another guy doing something he shouldn't have done. If it's accidental, you know, that is football. That's the sport. But uh, just play safe. Just keep the, the players safe out there. It's best for the league as a whole. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. I did not like this one bit from Smody Lawrence. Trey? No, yeah, I agree. I'm not like a super supportive of a lot of the extra rules they're adding, you know, pass interference, I think is so touchy and all these extra things, but hitting the head is one. And like we compared it to the Winnipeg one. Yeah. Like I said, Claros is the idiot diving head first. Like he's gonna, and it looked like most of his head hit the ground anyway, more than the Ottawa defenseman. But yeah, on the Hamilton one, Simone Lawrence, like we said, he's had a couple issues with this. I can't remember if his punishments in the past, but he's a clear repeat offender. And you're right, right? He's a he plays to the whistle kind of guy. And maybe ten years ago, it wouldn't matter, but it's not ten years ago, right? We have those these rules in play. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't put him more than a game. Um, you're probably going to see the fine if I'm going to be realistic. But you're all right, Adam. He should get a game. But again. We know the appeal process in the CFL. When is that game going to be served? Maybe, you know, he could appeal it pretty quick. Uh, and next thing we know, he's maybe not sitting out till October, right? So it'll probably just be a fine, but I don't know. Like it, We could talk about this one all night too, because it's a lot different than the Winnipeg one where we just said the guy jumped forward. Um, it's a tough one, but I think, yeah, I think he should get a game. You know, I'll say it like this. I mean, if the guy was on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I love him for his competitiveness and his motor. He's he's one of those guys that goes whistle to whistle, works like it's his last play every game or every every time he's on the field. The, the whistle blows, it's like it's his last play. 
and he goes hard. And I, I give him credit for that. But there is a line. And I mean, if he was in Saskatchewan and he nailed Dane Evans like that, I'd be saying it's a game. It's it's not uh, it's not the the Saskatchewan bias in this one. It's literally it's it happened many of times before, and it's got to stop. And if you want to make an example and say right off the bat, week one, we will not tolerate a hit like that on any quarterback. It's the right time to do it. It's week one. You can week two. Hamilton, I think, has uh, I'm not even sure who they I think Calgary this week. But you know what? It's time to it's time to put your foot down on those headshots. So, anyways, moving on. Yeah, and uh, rounding out this game here, uh, the betting lines on this one. Uh, how did we do, Trey? Did we uh, did we pass? Yep, we all took Saskatchewan to uh, at minus two and a half, and they won by seventeen, even though it was late. Uh, this was a game I was actually probably the most confident in all week because. Thursday nighter, we we both disagreed. Montreal, Calgary. My thing with the Ottawa, Winnipeg. I was actually scared for the longest time Winnipeg was going to win by ten, more than ten, so we would lose that way. But uh, that clearly didn't happen. So yeah, this was the game I was the most confident in. And at this point, I'm three and zero, and you guys are two and one heading into Saturday night's game uh, in Vancouver. And we go to that one next here. Uh, wow, thirty-four thousand and eighty-two people at BC Place Stadium, uh, packing the house, getting treated to a pregame concert by One Republic, and getting treated to quite the show by One Nathan Rourke and Co. Fifty-nine to fifteen, the final score. The BC Lions. Over the Edmonton Elks, uh, what was it, forty-two to six at halftime? I think in this one, uh, Nathan Rourke five touchdowns, three through the air, two on the ground. James Butler four touchdowns, two on the ground, two through the air. Uh, this was a total beatdown, and this was about the most perfect night you could ever imagine for the BC Lions. And uh, I really am excited to see what this means going forward for this team because their owner, we got to give Amar Doman so much credit for, and his, his whole team for promoting the, the heck out of this game, getting people in those seats. And then the question becomes, okay, now you got them in the seats, but what can you do out on the field to keep them in the seats? I tell you, any new football fans that may have come to the game, and I'm sure there were some who came just to see One Republic perform, they may think the BC Lions of 2022 are the greatest team in CFL or football history after what they witnessed in this game because uh, it was quite the show from start to finish. Uh, Nathan Rourke, the Canadian kid at quarterback, uh, I think may have finished with a perfect passer rating, actually, in this game. He had three incompletions on the night almost 300 yards and uh, five touchdowns in total. Uh, Trey, what do you think of uh, the explosiveness we saw here from the Lions? It was, I, yeah, I was shocked. Like I, um, I couldn't watch this game live either. I'm working at night and I'm checking the score and highlights and everything. And I thought my phone was broken. I thought something was wrong. And uh, you know, you got to tip your hat to Nathan work. It's great to see a Canadian kid do, um, go off like that but I also like it they it wasn't completely in the air they ran the ball down Edmonton's throat you know almost uh, 190 yards I'm doing quick math here 180 something yards on the night split between uh, Butler Rourke and O'Connor right so that's not bad either you got to keep running the ball and we all know that's how you're going to win 
later in the year. And it's nice to, uh, nice that they did it to start off the year. Also really liked uh, what you saw in the receiving core. Whitehead, uh, Hatcher, Burnham, they all got the ball. They all did their thing. And their defense stood up too. Like, I I don't know what you guys think, Ryan. I, I was pretty shocked uh, when I was uh, seeing the score. How about you? Yeah, I, I mean, BC's defense uh, particular. I said preseason that I thought maybe BC was going to be the you know underrated best defense in the CFL. Granted, they're playing Edmonton, and I wasn't too high on the Elks offense coming into the year. But TJ Lee, two interceptions, one of the best defensive backs in the league. Uh, you know, they got four interceptions here. They got a couple of sacks. Uh, huge play by the defense. Loved everything I saw here from the Lions in this game. Uh, what about you, Adam? No, I'm the same way. I mean, first of all, Mr. Dolman, take a bow. That game was just the pre, right when it started. I mean, I was kind of watching the Ryder game and how it finished off, but uh, I was glancing down on my phone and you seen just orange outside of BC Place Stadium and having a great pregame, then going into the stadium and doing One Republic. Uh, and then, of course, the game itself. I mean, Nathan Rourke has an 89% completion percentage. Uh, you had James Butler, who essentially came out of nowhere and had two receiving touchdowns, two uh, rushing touchdowns, and just had a game. Uh, and then uh, Nick Arbuckle, unfortunately, looked like a deer in a headlight, no uh, pun intended. Uh, Sononi uh, Tilamala, uh, three quarterback sacks uh, and four tackles in defense. Just, just overall, BC, there was nothing the BC could do wrong in this game. I guess Edmonton could have done a little more right, but you know what? B BC was just absolutely dominant right from when the gun went off to when the gun went off at the end. That's all that can really be said about this one without uh, before even digging in. Yeah, this was about as close as we could get to uh, when do you wave the mercy flag or the mercy rule here in week one. Uh, can't say enough good things. And, you know, a lot of people giving the Lions a knock at quarterback because inexperienced Canadian quarterback Nathan Rourke. And do I think he can replicate a game like this every single game this season? No, I'd be a fool to. That being said, he's if he could play Edmonton every game, he's got 10 touchdowns in his last two games he's played against the Elks. So if he can keep that trend going and replicate that against some other teams as well, I'm excited to see what the next game brings for the, the Lions. It sucks that they have a bye week this week, which, you know, after all of the momentum they generated from this game, now you got two, two weeks till the next game here. Uh, but I want to see what that attendance is like next game at BC Place uh, for the Lions here. Uh, and hopefully they get a lot of new tickets from that fantastic performance. Let's look over at the other side of this game because we hyped up all offseason. All the things they did off the field were fantastic. They are getting the momentum going into the season. It's going to be a bounce back here for Edmonton. And that lasted, what, a minute and a half uh, into this one before the wheels fell off the cart. I think there's a non-zero chance uh, Chris Jones is booking his tickets back to Alabama to coach uh, to coach high school football uh, before this game reached halftime. Of course, I'm kidding on that. But, uh, well, the debut of Chris Jones back in Edmonton certainly did not go as planned here. Uh, how did this fall apart so quickly, Trey? Yeah, just looking at the stats, you know, the defense was all over Nick Arbuckle, three interceptions, you know, unless you're the 2021 Bombers, you're not going to win much throwing that many interceptions in a game, right? You know, it's 
it's tough. And I think that's kind of the question I posed to you guys. Who's going to be starting quarterback for the Elks week two, like week three, even like how long of a leash does this guy have? You know, Chris Jones is a no, uh, no crap kind of guy. So are we going to see, you know, we saw Trey Ford a couple, but he threw a pick too. Right. So are we going to see uh, who are we going to see? Like who is available if they need another guy? Like, I don't even know. So I, I think their offense, I mean, their defense of course got picked apart, but I'm going to go on the offensive side. I'm going to say Nathan Rourke and James Butler beat the defense more than the defense like lost. Uh, but on the offensive side too, I think they just were completely trashed. Like, you know, they need to really do something better. I need a guy. Yeah, I just can't believe three interceptions, Nick Arbuckle. It just they need to do better or four interceptions on the game. You need to do better than that, uh, Adam. Absolutely. I mean, the, the Nick Arbuckle just had a terrible game. But here's my thing: if you're the head coach of a football team and the defensive coordinator of a football team, your defense better perform. And this defense did nothing at all. And I mean, it's not from having. They've got a few pieces in there that they should be performing. Uh, this to me comes down to two things. One, either you've got to really check that defensive line because, I mean, it had no pressure on Nathan Rourke all night against the BC Lions offensive line that's known for not being maybe the strongest in the league, uh, which is very concerning. Uh, like I said, Nathan Rourke had pretty much could read most of the uh, news lines about him before he actually was able to need to throw a football. Uh, six tackles by one uh, by uh, Tristan DeCout. Uh, Otherwise, really, there has been there was nothing out of the defense for the Winnipeg or for Winnipeg for the Edmonton Elks. I just uh, like I say, if I was Chris Jones and I'm a de- like I said, everybody's always said Chris Jones, the defensive guru. Chris Jones, the guy that knows defense is better defensive whisper. Well. If that's going to be what you whisper to your defense, maybe you better consider changing the tune because that was bad. I don't know. Like I say, I, to me, I'm wondering if this wasn't even maybe a little bit of that Chris Jones confidence that, oh, look, there's a uh, Canadian quarterback in. <laughs> okay, we're going to have fun here. And then all of a sudden, oh, he's he's actually pretty good. I, I won't say that right now that it's Chris Jones is just overconfident in this one. But, man... There is some. There's a lot of things to go wrong here for the Edmonton Elks defense. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, as a whole, and the, you know, the biggest stat line to me that speaks to the problems here for for Edmonton is total penalty yardage on the game. BC had four penalties for 30 yards. Edmonton had 12 for 129. Like, I don't know how many of those just came from frustrations from being down. You know, guys start cheating on plays a little bit. You know, maybe a little pass interference here and there. But you can't give up that kind of penalty yardage. That's not going to help your defense either. The turnovers were at inter-opportune times. They put BC in good position. Like, uh, you know, Edmonton just had nothing going for them. You look at the stat line, okay, Nick Arbuckle, you know, 254 yards passing that's not terrible you know the picks are obviously bad but a lot of that stat line I think was padded by garbage time being basically the entire second half of this game like uh there was nothing to play for in the second half the Elks did score a touchdown early and you thought are we gonna see a repeat of that Saskatchewan BC game from week one last season where the Riders, I think, went up 31-0 in the first half, and then BC brought it back to a, a field goal. But 
Uh, no, it wasn't meant to be here. Uh, Kenny Lawler, the leading receiver for the Elks. Darrell Walker had a good game there too. Uh, you know, uh, all things considered, as good as it can be in this situation. I like seeing that. You know, I'll try to find a positive. Uh, I'll try to find a couple positives here for Edmonton because they could use some right now. I liked what I saw from Darrell Walker. Like I said, I want to see a bounce back season from him. I thought, you know, that opening touchdown drive for Edmonton in the second half, I think like, it was alternating past the Waller, past the Walker, past the Waller, past the Walker. That's your two top receivers. You want to see those guys get going, even if it's in a meaningless half of football. And Sergio Castillo, three for three on kicking in this game, a solid, solid game for him there as well. Uh, Jalen Marshall, maybe, you know, some decent uh, return yardage there. It's the position that struggled for Edmonton. But by and large, this was a rough game all the way through. It just seemed like they were not prepared at all for what came their way. And I need to see how Edmonton bounces back coming into this next week because I said it last week on our preview show. I think Edmonton can be a good team, especially defensively later in the year. But I don't think they have the pieces on paper right now. And the Chris Jones effect takes a bit of time to take effect. And we're going to see it later in the season. But I think it's going to be tough going here in week one. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk a little more on our preview show about this. But how do you go home now if you're the Elks and get ready for this game against the Riders? Again, the wind kind of out of the sails of everything they did this offseason. What do you think of that, Adam? Yeah, I just, I would not want to be them going back into this. I mean, let's face it. I know that their uh, president is going to be hyping up this game. I mean, I've seen a cool little thing on Twitter today of them talking about uh, whatever the forecasted high today is, is what it's going to cost you to get a uh, ticket to the Elks game. Cool idea. Uh, But that being said, I don't know if I'd want to be the Edmonton Elks lining up against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders next week. Uh, Let's face it, the Riders did some serious damage with their defense uh, to a Hamilton Tiger Cats team that's uh, just coming off of a great cup finals loss. Uh, This one could be ugly, I think, and uh, we'll see what the betting ends up at, but this one might be a good one for... uh, for Trey, uh, for him to talk about, because I think he might be able to make some money on this next one. Uh, that being said, I hope Edmonton prepares and does well, and uh, let's hope Saskatchewan maybe doesn't overlook Edmonton maybe a little bit here as well. Uh, but that's all for a preview show. Trey, uh, what do you think about Edmonton uh, hosting next week? Yeah, I'd be scared. You know, like I said, like the only thing worse than playing in Saskatchewan is having Saskatchewan come to you, right? They're always in, you know. I think Saskatchewan, the way they played, I know we're getting into the preview a little bit, but it's really hard to have any pauses about Edmonton, right? So, yeah, I would really, this is the team that needs the bye week two over BC. Maybe they can trade their schedule around or something because, yeah, I would not want to be Edmonton right now. Um, when do they play? They have still Saturday, so they have the full week of preparation, I guess. But, yeah, I definitely would, um, yeah, definitely be working hard this week. But quick point. If we were time tra- if you had a time travel from ten years ago, and they had- and you were telling them the attendance of this week, how shocked do you think they would be that if you said BC had just shy of like or just over thirty four thousand people, but then Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and Calgary were not quite as full as it could be? Uh, that's what I think a big storyline of this whole week too, as we're coming into that. The three teams that you think you know back to back Banner and Winnipeg that should be almost a sellout. Saskatchewan. 
I mean, other than uh, Adam and seeding, what else is there to do in Saskatchewan on a Saturday night, right? And uh, then you have BC, <laughs> BC or Calgary, sorry, Calgary, their attendance has been slowly going down too because, you know, they're not the team powerhouse they used to be. So I think that's a huge storyline we should take, you know, yeah, great for BC, but what the heck's going on in Saskatchewan and Winnipeg that they can't, uh, can't sell out week one? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, like uh, I know Saskatchewan, actually, you're making a great point there, Trey. Very poor attendance in Saskatchewan this week. I mean, game one, opening night, uh, you're right about Saskatchewan. There's not a whole lot to do usually on a Saskatchewan Saturday night. It's like a Sudbury Saturday night, except without the song. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's amazing. I think there was maybe, I, I'd want to say 18,000 people in the stadium. They announced 28 in, in Saskatchewan, which is probably mostly season tickets and a little bit extra. But uh, no, nah, there was no there was no 28,000 in Saskatchewan on uh, Saturday. Uh, Winnipeg, I didn't really notice much in the crowd. Uh, guys, what was that like? It seemed like a pretty full crowd. It seemed loud. Like, uh, you know, what they announced the attendance on Winnipeg? Was it 26, 20? something like that but it seemed to me almost like it was bigger than that uh uh people were loud they were excited for that game there uh but the attendance numbers yeah down a, down a little bit around the league which makes it even more impressive that bc was able to pull this off in this one and uh, i'd love to see more teams do uh what they were able to do in this game uh quickly looking at the uh, the fantasy uh lines here in this one for edmonton bc uh, BC stacked the top value plays. James Butler, almost six and a half uh, points per thousand dollars. Nathan Rourke, almost six. He was the top quarterback. Butler was the top running back. I think they both had 40 points or more. Uh, Keon Hatcher got himself a fresh new contract this week for his performance in this game. He put up almost five points per thousand. He was a real cheap value play. BC's defense, uh, 4.06. Uh, Jalen Marshall of the Elks got involved in the return game and on at receiver. He was a, a solid value play as well. Top five letdowns, the Elks defense uh, putting up negative four points on the week. Yeah, that's a, that's a fantasy killer right there. Nick Garbuckle, uh, uh, less than a point per thousand he spent on him. Uh, Brian Burnham at just 0.74 was one of the biggest uh, letdowns here. The Lions put up nine touchdowns, and Brian Burnham and Lucky Whitehead had zero combined. I don't know how that happened, truthfully, um, but it did. Emmanuel Arsenault for Edmonton, not a great game for him, and Dominic Ryans for BC. So Lions win big, but even a couple of their players, you know, maybe it's the high prices when it comes to CFL fantasy, uh, still falling on the, the bottom end of the value there. Uh, Trey, betting odds for or betting lines betting successes for this game against Edmonton BC how do we do to round out week one well guys yeah going into it we disagreed Adam and Ryan to BC uh to beat the spread at three and a half I thought Edmonton would cover clearly I was wrong that was an absolute blowout uh so we all went three and one on the weekend so if we did that you know new uh new single game betting we all would have made money uh, but none of us would have hit the parlay, but uh, that's okay. That's not a bad first week. I can't say very often I go three and one uh, opening week in any kind of sport because <laughs> it's usually the worst week to bet. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty good, guys. And we're kind of talking about maybe predicting next week. I would think Saskatchewan's going to get a decent one against Edmonton. 
Um, I'm interested to see Winnipeg and Ottawa's. You know, it went from nine and a half before game before kickoff. It went down to six and a half. So I'm really interested. Nothing's up yet on play now, but those are things I'm going to be really looking at. And then the other games, I think it's hard to put what uh, what Toronto might be because we haven't seen them play. But they're going to play who they've got the Alouettes. You know, again, an Alouettes team that's pretty on pretty decent and then calgary hamilton i think that one will be pretty even so i'm pretty sure montreal and toronto will be even calgary hamilton will be even saskatchewan watch them get 10 points and then winnipeg ottawa i have no idea watch ottawa be favored actually you know in this one on uh, friday night yeah and we'll see what the lines are and we'll talk about them more in our preview on wednesday uh you know overall straight up picks i went four and oh in cfl pick them this week i'm pretty sure last season again didn't get four games right to like week three so a uh, much better start to the season here uh, as we round out our, uh, you know, as we uh, move on from talking about the individual games, uh, let's talk a little bit about the CFL uh, fantasy uh, updates for this week. Uh, so in our little fantasy league, uh, a, uh, you know, a good week for myself and Adam, we finished, I think I had 110 points, Adam, you had about 100 I left James Butler on my bench, and I'm still crying about it. That could have been an extra 45 points. Uh, uh, Adam had Lucky Whitehead on the bench. Could have, could have picked up a couple more there. Trey, a bit of a rough start to the season for you and Mike, though. A uh, bit of a ways behind, but, uh, hey, still room to catch up. Uh, quick thoughts on how your fantasy rosters did this week. Well, it would have been better if I would have thought that it uh, completely just dawned on me that Eric Rogers got traded to Toronto a while ago. I mean, that would have helped my fantasy just a little bit. But uh, yeah, no, other than that, it was a great week for me. I mean, Shaq Evans got me some great points for a later pick. I was real happy with that. Uh, Keon Schaefer-Baker got me some points. Kadeem Carey got me some big points. Overall, I mean, I had a good week, except for, like I say, I don't know where I was thinking that Eric Rogers is still on the Calgary Stampeders. Anyways, Trey, what did you think of your week? Oh yeah, I'm not a, I'm not great at fantasy, so we'll see how this comes. If I come back now, it'd be one of the biggest comebacks of uh, fantasy history because I'm more I more know what the score is going to be and like I said, betting line. But who's going to get me that points? I don't really care usually, but I'm going to try again. You know, I was confident in my team. You know, I had the first pick and I. I don't, I don't want to say I made the wrong choice, but I think uh, I hope uh, Winnipeg starts putting up more points because I know I went Winnipeg heavy. But, uh, yeah, it's all right. It's a long year, you know, 17 more games. Well, I guess there's like, what, 20 more weeks. So got a long ways to go, guys. Yeah, it, uh, the season doesn't end after week one. Uh, I'm, I'm just happy that Curly Gittens Jr. was on a bye week, forcing me to put Nathan Rourke in my lineup as my only other Canadian. Otherwise, I would have started Cody Fajardo. Had a good week too, but uh, Nathan Rourke was in my lineup. He was also in my lineup on in our CFL podcast fantasy league over on the official CFL fantasy website. Uh, our matchups this past week, uh, you guys both had some tough matchups. Uh, Adam facing Brazilian tie from the two and out CFL podcast. Uh, you did unfortunately fall short there. Uh, Trey going up against Andrew from the turf district. I believe the regular season champion last year. So, uh, Tough draw for you there. Uh, he pulls out the win. Both those guys putting up over 100 points. Uh, I was taking on uh, Oz from the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast and uh, starting off the season strong here for Mr. Commissioner. Uh, top score of the week for myself, 119.8 points. Thank you, Nathan Rourke. Thank you, Kadeem Carey. 
and the rest of the squad there. Uh, we'll take a look on Wednesday at who we're facing coming into the next week. But make sure you check out all of those other great podcasts and check out all the other great podcasts from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, let's move over into uh, let's do our players of the week to round out week number one. And then we'll re- fi- finish it off with everybody's favorite topic, the power rankings. Uh, players of the week, who for you, Adam, is the week one player or players of the week? You know, I gotta take one, well, no, two, no, well, maybe 12 players, uh, from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Going into the season, the defense was told, you know what, you've lost a lot of pieces. Ed Ganey, you have lost Luchez Purifoy. You lost other guys in that defensive line, like uh, Micah Johnson, who was on the other side for Hamilton this week. Uh, you lost a lot of pieces in, in the defensive line, like uh, Jonathan Woodard. Yet that Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense went in, had just one heck of a game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Eight sacks. I think it was uh, five turnovers in the game. Just an amazing uh, job by the Saskatchewan Rough Riders defense. I mean, it's hard to give it to one guy. I mean, Pete Robertson had an amazing game. The the guy that I think is having, uh, must have taken a drink out of the fountain of youth. Uh, Charleston Hughes had a uh, forced fumble and also a sack. So we did get to see that surf was up in Saskatchewan. So to me, if this Rough Riders defense keeps this going, this is going to be one fun year for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, let's see it in week two against the Edmonton Elks. Trey, who was your pick of the week? Are you sure you just want to give it to 12 guys and not 13? Or <laughs> Sorry. I'll put myself on mute. As soon as I heard the 12 guys. But yeah, I'm going to give a big shout out to the kickers, man. 21 for 23 week one. That's 63 points across the league. And that's not counting Rouges. I wasn't going to go through and see how many Rouges were scored this week. Uh, the longest, 52 by Hamilton's Michael De- Magala, Holy. And uh, he went two for three. Brett Lothar, though, went five for five with the longest, 48. But there's two guys I want to give my co-player of the week to. And that's the guys who nailed the game winners. Calgary's Renee Paredes. He went three for three, longest being 41. And, of course, getting the game winner there. And Mark Leggio, he missed an extra point, and I was, I think, uh, pretty upset about that. But he did go two for two for field goals, including the game-winning one. His only longest one was 25, so they definitely got him close. But you got to give it to those kickers when they get the game-winning field goals. Uh, you know, a guy who sits on the bench, maybe punts, doesn't do much, but then his, uh, his foot comes really important in the last uh, minute of the game. Ryan? We're not going to end this week one show and have the BC Lions put up 59 points on the board and not have a single Lion named player of the week. And we're going to go for multiple Lions here. Week one, uh, we were going to pick one player of the game each, but none of us are sticking to that. So the rules are out the window now. Uh, Who knows where this will go throughout the season. But Nathan Rourke and James Butler have to be my players of the week. Nathan Rourke, 26 of 29, 282 yards, three touchdowns, 78 yards rushing by the starting quarterback for the Lions. Uh, two touchdowns on the ground as well. I'm honestly surprised they didn't sit him at the start of the second half when this game was out of reach. They kept him in. He kept putting up the points and the stats on the board. Impressive game for him. Uh, and James Butler, I uh, was high on him coming into the year. 17 carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns. Also put up two touchdowns through the air. Touchdown machine, James Butler. 
Uh, you got to love it. You got to hand to them. Those two players integral to this uh, absolute dominant victory for the Lions here in week one. Uh, so those are our players of the week. Congrats to all of them. Let's get into uh, to round out the show. Let's take a look here at our power rankings for week one in the CFL. Uh, Trey, let's start off with you. You've got Saskatchewan at one, Winnipeg at two, BC, Toronto, Calgary, Montreal, Ottawa, Hamilton, the Atlantic Schooners, the Las Vegas Posse, the Baltimore Stallions, and all the way down at number 12, the Edmonton Elks. Uh, Tell us how you ended up with these rankings. Well, we'll start at the top here. I thought Saskatchewan played a pretty good game. I thought they played a way better game than Winnipeg, and they were kind of the number one, two coming into this season. So I'm going to give them the crown after week one. Uh, and Winnipeg too, again, it was a tight win, but I'm going to keep them up there. I like what BC did, but I want to see if it was BC doing great or Edmonton being garbage, right? I want to see that first. Like you said earlier, it's, it really sucks. They have a bye week too. Toronto was the toughest one to place for me. I don't know how to rank a team that we haven't really seen yet. And then out of all the winners, Calgary was probably my least impressive impressed by them. So that's why they go fifth. Montreal was my most impressive loss. Ottawa, too. Ottawa I would have put higher up, but I, it was really tough. I think this, the official one, CFL, has them third or fourth, if I'm not mistaken, or fifth, like way higher up. Uh, Hamilton, again, I think they could have did better in Saskatchewan. And I, there, I, there's no part of me that could have given Edmonton number nine. They just played so horrible. So that's where the undefeated Schooners comes in at nine. Um, I probably messed up. I should have put the Stallions at 10, the only American team to win the Great Cup, and then the Posse as well there, at, uh, and then Edmonton at 12. Amazing. I love it. Uh, Adam, you had uh, Saskatchewan at number one, BC at number two, Winnipeg at three, then Calgary, Ottawa, Toronto at six, Montreal at seven, Hamilton at eight, and if you're watching the video version, a considerable amount of space before we get down to Edmonton at number nine. Uh, what went into these for you? Well, I was debating to see if I should put the Miami Manatees in between the uh, Hamilton Tiger Cats and the Edmonton Elks. Uh, you know what? The Saskatchewan Rough Riders had a great week. I mean, the, the offense, of course, they need to get going earlier than maybe, you know, four minutes left in the fourth quarter. But it was good enough to make them number one this week. BC had an awesome game again, like we've been describing all here, and they deserve to move way up. I mean, they they prove that they're they're going to be probably a pretty good team this year. So I think they'll probably come down a little bit, but you know what? Special props to them for this week for number two. Uh, the Blue Bombers, they don't ever say how many or how you win. They say how many do you win. So that's why the Blue Bombers, they still won. So you know what? They still get the third spot in my vote. Calgary is still pretty strong out in uh, – in, in McMahon, and uh, they played a pretty good game against the Montreal Alouettes. They probably deserve number four. Ottawa, again, tough loss against the Bombers, but you know what? They played well. They should hold their heads high, and uh, they get them next week back home in uh, in Ottawa, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Toronto, I, again, like everybody, how do you mark a team that still only had a bye week for week one? Uh, I think they're going to come fired up. They got that extra week of pra- or practice in. Um, they're going to play good against Montreal, who I have down as number seven. And that's only the only reason they're probably that low is, is because of William Standback and that injury. I'm still a little questionable what's going to happen there. Uh, in running back, yes, we had a good game from the backup uh, running back. 
we'll see how it goes on from here. Uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats just didn't put really much of a good effort in uh, this week against the Rough Riders. I thought maybe they would have came out and at least uh, maybe challenged that uh, secondary a little bit better than that, but they didn't. So they're number eight. And uh, yeah, I really had to think about if I really wanted to even let Edmonton rank this week. But I figured, you know what, they still technically have are in CFL, I guess. Uh, you know what, there's a lot to work on in Edmonton. However, I don't think they're going to end up in the bottom yet this year. I think they're still going to come up and start moving up the power rankings soon. All right. And for myself, I've got BC at number one, Saskatchewan at two, uh, Winnipeg at three, Calgary at four, Toronto at five, Ottawa at six, Montreal at seven, Hamilton at eight, and a little bit of distance before the Edmonton Elks at number nine, a little less than Adam had and no teams in between, unlike Trey. Uh, BC, I have number one simply because the explosive victory to start the season. They won this week on and off the field. They were the best team of the week, uh, so I put them at number one. Challenge will be where I put them next week because I generally don't think you should fall in the rankings on a bye week, but they are on one next week, and I don't know if they'll stay number one. We'll see. Uh, the Riders, an impressive win there. Really impressed by that defense. That puts them at number two. Winnipeg and Calgary, the two other teams to win this week. They were kind of equal to me. I didn't love what I saw from them in their games, but they did pull out the win. I put Winnipeg ahead at three just simply because overall in the season, I think I like the, you know what their, made, their roster make up a little bit better. Um, I put Toronto at five because it's right in the middle between all the teams that won this week, all the teams that lost. I got nothing positive. I got nothing negative to say for them. So perfectly neutral on the Argos. Uh, of the teams that lost this week, Ottawa is the highest for me at number six. I was really impressed by them, even though they lost. Clean up a couple of those mistakes, and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Montreal down at number seven. You know, they came close against Calgary, but uh, I was, uh, yeah, also concerned about that injury to William Stanback. That's definitely a big blow there. Uh, and I uh, need more consistency from the Alouettes there. Uh, the Ticats at number eight, I mean, had high hopes for them coming into this week, and uh, they struggled against that Riders defense. The defense I thought they could pick apart a little bit. And then Edmonton, self-explanatory why they come down at number nine in my rankings. Uh, I think, uh, you know, they're going to find their way yet this season. They're going to rise up these rankings, but for right now they do. Sorry, can you hang on there for a second, Ryan? I just want to take a picture here real quick of uh, Trey marking Saskatchewan as number one above the Bombers, if you don't mind. Uh, just, uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Thanks. Perfect. Perfect. My great man. I, you know, I, I, I'm pretty high on the Rough Riders, and I have to go to a family social next weekend with a lot of Rough Rider fans. So, you know, I... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be wearing the green quite yet. Maybe uh, in September, depending on what our bet is. But uh, but yeah, real quick while we're here, too. I don't want to hear anyone say anything about Edmonton and Calgary having three or four days of practice extra, too, because it did not help Edmonton. And it barely helped <laughs> Calgary, right, guys? So, you know, hopefully that's something that's put to bed, too, uh, with the CBA talks. Did they over-prepare? Is that the problem? <laughs> Absolutely. That was total over over preparedness by Edmonton. And I mean, next week it should be just uh simply walkthroughs for the whole week. Yeah, just show up at the game. I mean, you're playing Saskatchewan. What practice do you need? <laughs> Anyways, that's it for our week one power rankings. Let us know on Twitter uh what you think of them. I'm sure you'll disagree because generally people do when it comes to power rankings. 
Uh, so I'd love to hear uh, who's you think uh, are the most accurate and what you would change from what you've seen here. Uh, I think that pretty much does it for our week one recap. Uh, coming up on the podcast here, uh, we've got our weekly preview coming up this Wednesday. We'll take a look at week two in the CFL. You can join us live, 9 p.m. Uh, Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time, other time zones. You can convert accordingly. Uh, we're live uh, over on YouTube, the Canadian Football Countdown there, Facebook, uh, CF Countdown Pod, uh, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod, Twitter at CF Countdown Pod, twitch.tv slash CF Countdown Pod, and the Game Time TV YouTube page as well. Shout out to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Uh, join us Wednesday night. We'll go through and preview the top storylines for each game, talk through the fantasy options available, make our picks, and talk about the best bets again of the week as well. So look forward to that Wednesday night out on the podcast feed Thursday morning. Uh, and then next week, uh, we'll be back here uh, recapping uh, week two in the CFL. Mike should be back from uh, his week off, and uh, we'll be ready to go. I'm sure I have lots of thoughts on what he's seen from the CFL thus far. So look forward to that next Monday night live as well here on the podcast. Uh, guys, as we get ready to wrap things up here, uh, where can people find everything you've got going on? Uh, Adam? Yeah, so you can find me over on Twitter at Adam Stewart one uh, Yeah, I don't have a whole lot right now, except for, you know, there's a big hockey game coming up on Wednesday that uh, – me and Ryan are probably both have vested interests in, and I'll be probably talking a little bit of trash during that. Just a little bit. I mean, I don't, I, I did lots of it during Edmonton's time. So I, I, I pretty much am out of it now. Uh, but yeah, no, follow me over at Adam Stewart one. I uh, got lots of farm stuff, got lots of egg stuff. Uh, anything really going on. That's where I post it. So Trey, where can guys find you? Yeah. On Twitter, you can find me at Trey MB harness. Uh, Want to talk anything football? Uh, definitely, if you want to make fun of me for having Saskatchewan number one, you, you can find me there. You want to talk horse racing? I am the voice of Manitoba Harness Racing. Uh, so, you know, there's a, like I think I mentioned last week, there's a big uh, horse harness race in uh, Southern Ontario this weekend, the Pepsi North American Cup. Pretty big deal. Uh, so, if you want to check that out, come see me. You want to talk about Star Wars? You want to talk about Call of Duty? You want to talk about whatever? At Trey MB Harness, man. I'm on my phone all day. Uh, Ryan, what about you? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42, starts with a K. And uh, yeah, this should be a fun week, Adam. Uh, my Tampa Bay Lightning going head-to-head with Adam's Colorado Avalanche in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, we're set to podcast together at least once, uh, twice, maybe three times over the course of the finals. So I'm sure we will hate each other by the end of this week. But uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe we'll strike a deal here and uh, be friends no matter what the result is. Uh, Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> I mean, let's face it. I don't know how much uh, lightning will strike, but we'll still strike some good jokes and everything else than that. So, <laughs> well, Looking forward to that. Of course, that should be a lot of fun. And just so excited to have CFL back. It was so fun to check out all the games and talk all the fantasy and uh, everything we saw from the games this week as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod for a lot of other things there. You can also check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter. And uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, uh, we appreciate if you do all the fun things like, comment, subscribe, uh, rate the show, review, share it with your friends, help us grow the show. Uh, last week's episode, uh, our week one preview, 
very well received episode. We appreciate uh, everybody who's tuning in this season. We've got a lot of fun content to come, and we appreciate all the feedback as well. And as always, on behalf of our panel here tonight, Trey Colbeck, Adam Stewart, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.